I don't know if you're like me, but I have been overdoing it on the Christmas goodies, especially cookies and chocolate. I've always had a sweet tooth, but this year I've been overdoing it even more than usual. And I'm just like, okay, I need to help people understand why this is happening because I know I'm not the only one. And since the pandemic started, this has been a trend for me and a lot of people I know where we just can't stop overdoing it on treats and just emotional eating and stress eating in general. So in today's episode, we're going to dive into the real reason you have these cravings, the real reason you can't stop, and the reason that has nothing to do with willpower and everything to do with these underlying causes. In this episode, we're going to focus on your gut microbiome. So yes, your gut bugs are actually triggering cravings and your blood sugar. So stay tuned for how these are causing cravings and what you can do about it. You're listening to the Fix Your Gut Podcast, a podcast that empowers you to understand why you have gut issues and what to do about it. After over 20 years of suffering with IBS, migraines, and chronic fatigue, I decided to take matters into my own hands and I became a nutritionist so I could not only heal myself, but heal others that were struggling like me. Odds are you're here because you're stuck. Your doctor couldn't help and you've already tried cutting out foods and probiotics. So now what? You don't have to suffer anymore. You can heal your gut. We're going to go beyond diet and supplements to empower you with the knowledge you need to achieve deep, lasting healing and finally enjoy food again and get your life back. You know, once you start getting into the habit of having sweet treats, not just a couple times a week, or not just once in the evening, but throughout the day, as I have done through the holidays, it's a really hard habit to break. And there are actually several physical and mental reasons why. And we're going to dive into that today. But before we do, I just want you to know that first of all, you're not alone. Most of us have been indulging more than usual, not just this holiday season, but over the past three years since the pandemic has started. And that's totally normal. We are coping in the ways that we know how um, with this collective trauma and the stress of everything. Um, And we're doing what we need to do to get by, right? We're all basically in survival mode. So I first off, before we dive in, I want to just say, you know, don't be that hard on yourself. I get that you want to you know, you're probably having gut symptoms or or maybe you've gained some weight and you want to get on top of things. But at the same time, don't be hard on yourself when you do indulge, because it is only human to seek comfort. So we're seeking comfort in the way we know how to seek pleasure when there's very little pleasure to be found. There's not, nothing but stress and, you know, um, uncertainty in our lives these days. So we're seeking pleasure in one of the few ways we have left, right? So I want you to give yourself grace and, you know, stop the guilt trips and allow yourself to indulge without um, beating yourself up over it. I know that's hard to do because especially for those of us who have been through the ringer of diet culture, right? You You get on this mindset that it's all or nothing and that either you're on the wagon or you're off the wagon. And once you're off the wagon and you're eating things you quote unquote shouldn't be eating, then you're like, well, what's the point? I might as well just eat whatever I want. I want you, I want to encourage you to get away from that mindset and instead 
allow yourself this wiggle room, right? So I typically tell my clients this 80-20 rule where, yes, we have these guidelines of these healthy choices we want to make, but we also have some wiggle room to enjoy the favorite foods that we love and our comfort foods. Because if we don't give ourselves that wiggle room, inevitably we're going to end up binging, right? It's human nature. The things that you tell yourself you can't have, you're going to want more. So giving yourself that wiggle room, especially when it comes to um, the holidays, when things are going to be around anyways, right? We're going to have these treats around us. Um, helps, you know, it helps your mindset and saying, okay, I'm allowed to have this 20% wiggle room. As long as I'm still eating my healthy meal, that's not a big deal if I have a few cookies more than usual. And inevitably, if you have gut issues, having more indulgences, especially sweets, is going to trigger a bit of a gut flare up. But when you're empowered with the knowledge that I'm going to share with you both in this episode and inside my Fix Your Gut Collective, when you're empowered with that knowledge about your body and why these gut flare-ups are happening, and you know exactly what to do to calm your gut down and to feel better, right? So my whole point of what I do is to empower you to really understand what's going on and how you can make yourself feel better with some simple strategies. So without rambling on, let's kind of dive into what this episode is going to be focused on because there's so much to cover when it comes to cravings and emotional eating and the causes for it. Um, this episode is going to focus more on blood sugar and the microbiome. And next episode is going to focus more on mental health, stress, burnout, sleep, or lack of sleep, and lifestyle, and uh, how we can use some of those strategies to help manage cravings. I want to start off by talking about blood sugar. This is something that unfortunately, you know, we don't really learn in school when we are taught about nutrition and health, but I feel like it's something that everyone needs to know about. And so this is one of the things I always ensure my clients know about right away. Um, it's something that we all need to know about for our bodies because it's so very important to keep ourselves fueled. So having energy throughout the day without relying on tons of caffeine or stimulants like uh, supplements, for, for example. But it's also important because we can want to prevent chronic disease. Managing your blood sugar prevents things like diabetes, heart disease, it helps uh, manage your metabolism, and so many other things, right? It actually affects your mood as well. But one of the biggest things, and what we're talking about today, is managing your blood sugar in terms of preventing or managing cravings. So let's start off with the basics, and I won't get too sciencey on you, I promise, but you need to understand how blood sugar works in order to understand why we're having cravings and how we can eat, like the simple strategies and the craving crusher uh, combo, I call it, the three things that you need to have um, in order to keep your blood sugar balanced throughout the day to keep your cravings at bay. Okay, so how blood sugar works is everything you eat eventually gets broken down into sugar or glucose molecules for your cells and your body to use to make energy. And the rate at which it gets broken down is different depending on the type of food or the combination of foods. So for example, if you were to have a donut on its own, because that's already basically a simple sugar, a simple carb, your body doesn't have to break it down too much for it to get to the point where your cells can use that as a simple sugar to make energy. Whereas if you were to eat a piece of chicken and some broccoli, that takes a lot more breaking down in your body 
in order for it to get to that state where your cells can use it for energy. So that means it's digested slower in your, in your stomach, it's absorbed slower into your bloodstream. And because it's digested and absorbed more slowly, that's what keeps your blood sugar steady, right? Because if you were to eat just that donut and it's already a simple sugar, think of how fast that's gonna get into your bloodstream. It doesn't really need digesting and breaking down. It's already a simple sugar. So your blood sugar is going to spike and then shortly thereafter, it's going to crash because there's nothing eaten with it to keep it steady. So when you, if you were to have that donut with some chicken, which is a weird combination, but bear with me, having that chicken or maybe some fat, which is also digested slowly, so avocado, with that donut, even though there is a donut and there's sugar there, that combination, because it's digested more slowly, will make your blood sugar rise more slowly and balance out and stay balanced for longer. So that's why when we're choosing our food options, we want to eat every three to four hours, first of all, so no skipping meals. I know that is tempting for women that are um, trying to lose weight, trying to diet. But we also want to make sure we're having this combination of protein, um, fat, and fiber, because these are the things that are digested and absorbed slowly together with our carb choices. Because when it's put all together, we digest it and absorb it more, more slowly, and that keeps our blood sugar steady. So why does that matter? What you need to know about blood sugar is it needs to stay in a healthy, a small healthy range in order for your body to function optimally. That's why you'll notice, um, for example, if you haven't eaten for quite a while, maybe you're out running a bunch of errands and you haven't eaten lunch, you start to get tired, you get grumpy, maybe you get a little shaky, a little lightheaded, you might get a headache. These are all signs that you have low blood sugar. So you, your body, your blood sugar has gotten too low. Your body doesn't have the nutrients it needs to continue to make energy. And so this is your body's way of telling you, this is urgent. You have to eat something really soon because the blood sugar has gotten out of that healthy range and I can't function the way I need to, to provide you with energy. Okay. So your body is always sending you these signals. So you need to be able to pay attention and think, okay, if I'm starting to get lightheaded and tired and shaky, these are signs for me that my, my body is telling me you need to eat. And maybe it's because I skipped lunch or maybe it's because I only had a bagel for breakfast with nothing with it, right? So this is why those combination of foods are so very important. Now, what happens when we have that blood sugar crash, right? So whether that's because we haven't eaten or because the last thing we ate was just carbs, when we have that crash, at that point, because our body is desperately trying to bring our blood sugar up to a healthy level to provide us with the nutrients we need to function, both our brain and our body, it needs the quickest form of energy. And the quickest form of energy is carbs. So we are hardwired to crave carbs, especially at that point, because our body knows that is the quickest, easiest form of energy. It's going to get into the bloodstream faster and give us the quick energy we need, right? So that we can bring that blood sugar up quickly. So yes, that will work. So having some sugar or some carbs at that point will bring it up quickly, but then it'll crash again shortly thereafter. So if you do get to that point where your blood sugar is low, sure, you can have, you know, um, some white bread or some sugar or some fruit or something on its own to bring it up quickly. But you want to combine that 
with proteins, fat, fiber to keep your blood sugar steady for the next several hours. So that's why we get these cravings when our blood sugar is unsteady. And we also need to understand that we have these things called hunger hormones. And there, there are two hunger hormones. One is called ghrelin. So you can think of it as like gremlin that tells you that you're hungry. And one is called leptin. And that's the one that tells you that you're full. And then there's also insulin. Insulin is what is released when you eat a meal. And that is the key that lets the sugar into your cells so your cells can make energy. Now, what we need to understand is that that ghrelin, that hunger hormone, it's very powerful. So if you're trying to fast or skip a meal because you're dieting, it's almost impossible to avoid the power of hormones. OK, we know how powerful hormones are, ladies. You know, sex hormones are powerful, too, but hunger hormones are just as powerful. So at that point, that's why we get hangry. Right. So when we get to that point where our blood sugar is low and that ghrelin, that hunger hormones high, all bets are off. That's why we reach for the, the nearest thing we can find, which is usually some kind of junky snack or carbs, because we are getting hangry. We're irritable. We need that that energy source right away. Right. And. So leptin is what's released when we're full. So the interesting thing about leptin is two things here. One, um, it's turned off by fat. So we actually need some kind of healthy fat to really feel satiated, to feel full. And that's why some of the low fat diets, and I believe that was the 90s when it was a fad, um, they weren't sustainable for people. And people were always hungry on them because they didn't have that healthy fat to tell their brain that they're full. And we know now that fat is healthy and it's digested slowly. So it's one of those things that can help stabilize your blood sugar. And it's actually really important for many aspects of your health. So having that healthy fat is really, really important to turn off that hunger hormone. Look, I get it. I've been there myself. You leave the doctor's office and you end up crying because they just don't get it and they can't help you. They did all the tests. They even referred you to a specialist. And all they told you was that you had IBS. Great. So now what are you supposed to do? Avoid your favorite foods for the rest of your life? It just feels like no one can help. And it's so overwhelming. Maybe they even told you to try a low FODMAP diet, but you Googled it and it seems so complicated and restrictive. You're not alone and you can heal your gut. It just takes a different approach. If you want to learn more about how to kickstart your gut healing journey, join me inside the Fix Your Gut for Good membership. Inside the membership, you get empowered with the knowledge you need to actually heal the root causes of your gut issues. And we dive into whole body, whole person healing. The reason that you get stuck when you may have tried supplements or other diets before is that you're only focusing in on one aspect of healing when really there's so many other components that need to be addressed. It sounds complicated and lengthy, and it can be, but not if you have the guidance from a professional, as well as the support of a community of friends that actually get it and are there for you 24-7. If this sounds like something that you need in your life, go to the link in the bio and check out the Fix Your Gut for Good landing page. And if you want more information, I'm always here to answer any questions you have. So just a little refresher for those of you um, who aren't really clear on 
which foods um, are the best in each of these categories when we talked about the combination of protein, fat, and fiber to help you stabilize your blood sugar. So protein-wise, obviously that's meat and fish. So for those of you who do eat meat and fish, um, but also eggs, legumes, so beans, lentils, chickpeas, all of that, um, nuts and seeds, and soy-based products. And then things like protein powder. Now, in terms of gut health, um, I know there are some people that are have chronic gut issues that are trying to eat more of a vegetarian or a vegan diet. This can be a little tricky because we know that things like legumes, which are a great source of protein for vegans and vegetarians, are often quite hard to digest for people with chronic gut issues. So if that's something you're trying to work on, um, and you're kind of avoiding legumes because they're a gut trigger for you, but you're also trying to eat more vegetarian or vegan, it's important that you work with someone like myself to ensure that you are getting enough protein. Because if you're not, that's going to affect many things, including your blood sugar. So you're going to have more cravings. It's going to affect your metabolism, your immune system, your ability to build muscle if you're working out. Really, really important. So that's protein sources. Fat sources include, you know, obviously oils and butter. Um, we want to choose oils which are cold pressed. So anything that is not cold pressed, so things like canola oil, is processed at high temperatures with chemicals. And at that point, it's become a very unhealthy form of fat. The original form may have been healthy, but when it gets processed like that, it becomes very inflammatory and unhealthy. So anything that is typically as like a a good rule of thumb, anything that's super cheap is in a clear plastic bottle um, is something you don't want to buy if you can help it. I know things are expensive these days, but ideally you want expeller pressed or cold pressed oils, um, which are less inflammatory for you. Um, then things like nuts and seeds, avocado, fatty fish, and olives. Also great fat sources. Fiber sources. Um, include fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds, legumes, so beans, lentils, chickpeas, and whole grains. Now your fiber goal for most people is 30 grams or more per day, which is hard to picture because a lot of people don't really know, you know, how much fiber is in any particular food. And I don't like people tracking their food per se, because then you get a little obsessed with what you're eating and it's not healthy. But knowing that the highest foods for fiber are legumes, um, grains are a really great source of fiber. That's really important for gut health as well. Um, but as a general rule, if you aim to get as much fruits and vegetables as you can, and you include several servings um, of whole grains and nuts and seeds and things like that, then you're probably going to get pretty close to your, your fiber goal. So when you eat your lunch and your dinner, ideally half your plate is vegetables, with the focus of more vegetables than fruits. Now, when it comes to gut health, obviously, again, some of these high fiber sources might be a trigger for you. So a lot of people with gut health issues can't tolerate legumes. A lot of people are also um, gluten free and or paleo and can't tolerate grains. So at that point, you have to be really careful and diligent to get as much fruits and vegetables, nuts and seeds as possible in order to get that fiber intake. Now, obviously, um, if you have a really sensitive gut 
and you're just starting your gut healing journey, a lot of people do well on the low FODMAP diet. So that's even more restrictive where not only are you limiting things like beans and lentils and grains uh, potentially, but you're also limiting the certain fruits and vegetables that you eat as well. So this is where I highly recommend, you know, if you're feeling like you can't tolerate hardly any fibrous foods, you need to work with a practitioner like myself, because the main reason you can't tolerate it is because your gut bacteria Um, they're taking those fibers and they're fermenting them and causing gas, bloating, and pain. Okay, so now I want to dive into my favorite topic, the microbiome. Um, We're going to talk about the role. So this is your gut bacteria and your gut microbes and the role that they play in cravings. So yes, I know it's crazy, but your gut bacteria directly influence your appetite and the foods that you crave. And so we're gonna dive into, first of all, how we develop imbalances in our gut bacteria. And then we'll dive into how those imbalances and those certain bacteria that we tend to you know, overpopulate our gut are triggering these cravings for us. And then what we can do to kind of balance out that microbiome so we don't have those cravings. So first of all, it's kind of a crazy idea to think about, you know, the gut bacteria, the the bacteria and the other microbes that live in our gut are kind of controlling our brain in a way. They affect our mental health, our appetite, our food choices, our sleep, literally everything that goes on in our body. So I want to back up a bit and talk a bit about what the microbiome is and how we develop what's called dysbiosis. So this bacterial imbalance or overgrowth or even insufficiency Um, so one of the main ways is drugs, (laughs) not that I'm anti-drug, but we, in our population, in our culture, we overuse antibiotics and antacids. And those two big guys are the ones that cause the most damage to your microbiome. Obviously we're going to talk about the role of diet too, but antibiotics, especially broad spectrum, very strong antibiotics wipe out all kinds of microbes in your gut, including healthy bacteria. So when you have an infection, definitely you need an antibiotic. There are times that we need them, but there is this side effect, right? Where it's also wiping out some of the healthy bacteria and that makes it that much easier for the unhealthy bacteria to kind of take over because they're always there in small amounts. We always have, you know, a little bit of E. coli or other certain microbes in our body and they do play a necessary role, but they're kept in check by these healthy bacteria. So if we wipe out everything and typically the bad guys tend to linger more than the good guys, and there's only, you know, a few bad guys left and no good guys, then it's much easier for the inflammatory or bad microbes or bacteria to kind of grow out of control and cause problems. So they will cause problems in terms of, you know, gut symptoms. So pain, inflammation, food sensitivities, bloating, um, heartburn, indigestion, but then they're also going to um, cause cravings. So one of the ways in which these bacteria trigger cravings for us is they actually communicate through our vagus nerve. It's a nerve that runs from our brain to our gut um, and our enteric nervous system. So the enteric nervous system is part of your nervous system that resides in your gut lining. And there's actually more um, nerves going from your gut to your brain, sending information, then there are nerves sending information from your brain to your gut, which is pretty interesting stuff. 
Um, so we need to really think about, you know, who's living in our gut and how do we encourage the growth of the good guys? Because antibiotics wiping out the bad guys and the good guys, we have to build up and repopulate and restore the gut microbiome after an antibiotic. And taking or just taking a probiotic is not enough. Unfortunately, uh, probiotics are temporary colonizers of the gut, meaning they only stay in the gut up to about 14 days. They have not yet designed a probiotic that is uh, permanently in the gut. And so the main thing we need to do to help restore balance and help you know, grow some of these healthy bacteria back is um, to seed the gut with fiber. So fiber helps healthy bacteria grow. Sugar and processed foods help bad bacteria grow. So if there's one takeaway from this section that I hope you remember is that um, yes, sugar helps bad bacteria grow and processed inflammatory foods, whereas fiber and antioxidants help good bacteria grow. Okay, so we are back and we're going to talk a bit more in depth about, you know, how these bacteria in our gut are controlling our appetite and our cravings. So before we do that, I want to talk a bit about antacids. Antacids are another one of the drugs in our society that are very overused. I myself was put on an antacid or a PPI, prescription strength antacid, uh, for about five years to control my chronic heartburn. And while it did work at first, ultimately it did not help. And I actually ended up developing what's called SIBO. So antacids are known to cause SIBO, small intestine bacterial overgrowth. And that's where we have too much bacteria growing in our small intestine. And most of your bacteria in your gut microbiome should be in your large intestine, your colon. Now, why is that a problem if we have too much bacteria, even good bacteria, living in the small intestine? The small intestine needs to stay fairly sterile because that's where most of our absorption of nutrients happens. And in order for the absorption to take place, it has to be sterile and we have to be producing enough digestive enzymes and having the bile coming in from the gallbladder. There's so many things that have to happen there, but none of that can happen properly if there is inflammation going on from bacteria that aren't supposed to be there. A lot of people that have SIBO, tend to have upper gut symptoms. So chronic acid reflux, belching or burping after meals, a sour taste in their mouth, or even if they don't have heartburn per se, but the, this um, feeling or sensation of food stuck in their throat. And so with people with SIBO, we have to restore the stomach acid. We need that stomach acid because not only does it help us digest, but it acts as an antibacterial barrier um, to keep bacteria from overgrowing both in the stomach and the small intestine where it's not supposed to be. And so that's not quite as relevant in terms of carb cravings and, and like cravings in general and appetite. But what is relevant is knowing that this dysbiosis, which can be caused by upper gut or lower gut issues, can be caused by drugs, can be caused by a diet that's high in carbs and sugar and processed foods and low in fiber. And that is going to promote the growth of these bad or inflammatory bacteria. And those bacteria will send signals to your brain to eat more sugar, more carbs. These are the foods that they love, that they need to survive. 
So if we can starve those bacteria slash do a protocol with a practitioner to kill off those bacteria and rebuild and repopulate the healthy bacteria, almost not instantly, but I've had people, you know, clients within a week or two notice a huge, huge difference in their cravings when we've started to reset their gut microbiome. So it's pretty crazy stuff, but it can be done. The other thing um, that impacts your uh, cravings, uh, anything that impacts your gut, right? So chronic constipation, that gives the bacteria more time to ferment the food in your gut. Um, and it typically causes the production or the growth of more bad inflammatory bacteria or yeasts or other microbes. Uh, food poisoning. So even after those food poisoning or traveler's diarrhea symptoms disappear, those bugs often linger in your gut and causing and perpetuating this dysbiosis, this bacterial imbalance and affecting your appetite and cravings. So knowing that our diet, the drugs we use, the lifestyle we lead, even stress levels actually creates an environment in the gut that is not uh, conducive to growing healthy bacteria, but instead it's a perfect environment for bad bacteria to thrive. So all of these factors are promoting this, what's called dysbiosis, this bacterial imbalance or overgrowth. And having that is going to perpetuate those cravings. So the more we can get your gut bacteria under control by eating a diet that is higher in fiber and antioxidants and whole foods, home cooked meals, and lower in things like excess carbs and sugar and processed foods, the more that we can get those cravings under control. Now that is easier said than done. And it can't, I mean, diet is important, but it can't be done with diet alone. So once you get to the point where you have significant dysbiosis in your gut microbiome, we have to do a four R protocol. Um, I would work with a practitioner, or sorry, I would work with a client as a practitioner, and I would um, do a, a comprehensive and personalized four R protocol to um, kill off the inflammatory and bad microbes in the gut, heal the gut lining, and then rebuild the gut microbiome. Um, using specific dietary strategies and supplements and lifestyle changes. It doesn't happen overnight, but it is doable. And a lot of people that I work with noticed a huge difference um, in mood and cravings and even symptom reduction in as little as a couple weeks. However, typically it takes several months or more to fully um, finish that protocol and, and notice a significant change in the microbiome. But in terms of cravings, um, indeed, it can be done in a shorter time period. Now, the really interesting thing here that I want to kind of tie in, this will kind of lead us into the next episode, so I won't include it in this episode so it's not too long, but you guys know that I'm all about mental health, right? And we know that there's a direct connection between the gut microbiome and mental health. And one of the reasons because, and well, several reasons, one of them being your gut bacteria, the healthy gut bacteria, produce precursors to the happy brain chemicals like serotonin. So one of the precursors is called 5-HTP. And so that your body takes that and the bacteria produce that and it uses it to build serotonin, the happy hormone. And when we have more serotonin and our neurotransmitters are balanced in general, we have less cravings typically, right? It's it's more common that when we feel down, we feel low, we feel anxious, we're going to have carb cravings in an effort to boost our mood. 
And so if we have enough healthy bacteria producing these building blocks of serotonin, like 5-HTP, then we feel better and we can easier make, it's easily, <laughs> it's easier to make those healthy choices, right? Rather than um, turning to foods, comfort foods that are gonna give us a mental health pick-me-up. And we'll dive into more of that in the next episode, but I just wanted to kind of touch on that briefly because I think it's, I mean, it's fascinating, but it's also a really important part of this microbiome piece that we just covered. So to summarize what we talked about today, we talked about why blood sugar imbalances contribute to cravings, right? Your body's trying to keep that blood sugar in that healthy range so your brain and your body can function and have the energy it needs to function. But if you're skipping meals or you're eating something like carbs on its own, you're going to have that blood sugar spike and crash. And that's when you get, quote unquote, hangry. That's when those hunger hormones are kicking in. And at that point, all bets are off and you're going to reach for whatever's closest. You get a strong carb craving because your body's saying this is the fastest, easiest way for me to bring the blood sugar back up to a healthy level. Right. So we really have to make sure we're eating regularly, but also combining the right foods. So that protein, fat and fiber combo together with those carbs to keep your blood sugar steady and prevent cravings. And then we talked about the microbiome and how things like drugs, so antibiotics and antacids and then poor diet can contribute to this dysbiosis, this bacterial imbalance and how in turn those bad or inflammatory bacteria and yeast can cause carb cravings for us because those are the foods that they need to survive. So they're actually sending signals to your brain to eat more of those foods. Whereas when you have more healthy bacteria in your gut, you actually will crave healthier foods or you'll crave indulgent foods much less often. And you'll be more satisfied when you do have a treat with a small amount, right? So this is some of the many ways in which we can understand why we have cravings and how to actually conquer them. And now you know that it's not just simply about willpower. There's real physical things going on that are triggering these cravings. And there's, you know, simple diet and lifestyle strategies that we can use to prevent and manage these cravings. And I want to have just end off with a side note saying the whole idea is for you to not ever you know crave chocolate or sugar again because like i said i highly recommend people take this 80 20 approach and include some of these trait foods in their diet and in their life because the more we tell ourselves we can't have those foods the more we're going to crave them right it's a psychological thing but it's much easier and you'll find this as you start to implement some of these changes it's much easier to have a small serving of a treat and be satisfied and be able to walk away from it um, when you have balanced blood sugar when you have a balanced microbiome than it is when these things aren't balanced right and you feel a lot more out of control around these these treat foods so if you found anything in today's episode really eye-opening or helpful, I would love if you could share on social media and tag me at mindful underscore vitality. I think it's so important that uh, we spread the word and educate each other as much as possible because there's a lot of misinformation and um, out there. And I want people to be empowered to be able to take control of both their physical and their mental health. And that's why I do what I do, right? I really enjoy educating and empowering people. Because so much of our what we've been taught growing up is kind of just trust the doctor, right? Do what the doctor says. And I'm not 
against doctors in Western medicine. But when it comes to something like, um, like chronic gut issues or um, lifestyle stuff and dietary stuff, they're not quite as helpful. They don't have the training in those um, aspects. And, you know, if you're going to the doctor and saying, I have cravings, they're not going to be able to help you with that really, right? Um, so these are things that we have to do on our own. We have to empower ourselves to learn about our bodies and why they're happening. And that way we can take better control of our health, right? So it's all about taking control of your health and your life. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And if you did, again, share on social media, but also if you could leave a rating or review in your podcast app, that would help even more people find the podcast and get inspired and empowered just like you did today. So have a lovely day and I hope to connect with you soon. Thanks for tuning in today, guys. Hey, if you have 30 seconds to spare, if you could leave me a rating and review in your podcast app, I would greatly appreciate it. It helps women just like you discover my podcast and start their own healing journey. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you next week.